Hi, my name's Tori Walker and you're listening to The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. This is episode 33. Have you ever wondered what the difference is between coaching and discipling and mentoring and training and all the other types of individual Christian helping things that there are around? Are they all different words for essentially the same activity or is there a difference? Well, in today's episode, we chat with Kylie Butler, who is the Managing Director of the Christian Coaching Institute, which is based in Melbourne. I'll let her tell you all about it and also tell you about what the differences are between discipling and mentoring and coaching. But also, I want you to listen out for her tips towards the end about being a genuinely other person-centred listener. It's really helpful. And she's also got a fabulous idea for the busy or even the not-so-busy woman to grow in her relationship with God. I had a great time with Kylie. She's got a really infectious laugh and I'm sure you will enjoy hearing her talk a little bit about coaching and her work at the Christian Coaching Institute. She's certainly passionate about it and it really comes across and it's great to hear what she's involved in. Well, I'm sitting in a nice cool little hotel room with Kylie. (laughs) Kylie's from Melbourne and she's now worked out that there's an air conditioner in her room, which is awesome. (laughs) Kylie, before we get to what you're doing in Brisbane, tell me how did you come to faith in Christ? I actually grew up in quite an anti-Christian home. My grandparents lived next door to a church and across the road from the church, but my grandfather, so he worked as a butcher, every Sunday was his kind of sleeping day, but he would still get up early and he would get up and he would water the garden along the side of the church, but he would intermittently kind of go, water the garden, water the people as they walked into church, water the garden, water the people as they walked into church. He had quite a sense of humour, I yeah, guess. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he also learnt the rhythm of the preacher as well, so he, the church, so he would know when the guy was going to get up and do his sermon and that's when he would start lawn mowing, oh so gosh. just to kind of disturb. So, uh, and then my dad's side, so that was mum's side, my dad's side, Jesus was a swear word in everything. So for me, I had no faith context background whatsoever. Then in uh, middle school, my parents moved me from public high school across to a Christian high school, which I was horrified with, and spent my first year there, so my year nine there, completely arguing with the Bible studies teacher. I remember actually throwing the Bible at the Bible studies teacher and telling him it was a load of expletive, of which I landed myself on lunchtime detention for that one. But what I didn't realise at the time is that that wrestle was actually something that God was doing in me in that, and I was searching. So I, it went from kind of the arguing with the Bible studies teacher to the wrestling and the questions and everything with the Bible studies teacher. And then at the kind of the end of my year, um, year nine, uh, my my best friend, her dad had been fighting cancer for a really long time and she was a Christian and she was at this school as well with me and I remember her saying to me, we're just praying that dad would have Christmas with us and I was, you know, I was young, I didn't really think too much about it, um, like it was months and months before I remember her saying that and then she called me on Boxing Day and said her dad had died this morning. 
And it, it was, I don't know how immediate it was, it was certainly within a very short space of time that I remembered her prayer that she had prayed and that they wanted Christmas Day and that they got Christmas Day. And for me that actually began that journey of oh, maybe there's even, I've wrestled with my Bible studies teacher, I've wrestled with the school, maybe there's something a little bit more to this. And then it was um, kind of the May of my year nine, year 10 year, that I got invited to go to what was back then, it was a Youth for Christ rally um, down in Melbourne. And I remember the guy speaking up the front, he talked about the wide path and the narrow path, which made no sense to me at all at the time, but I knew that I needed to go on the path. Um, so I went down the front, and like I, I just knew, like my heart was pounding and I made the decision to go down the front and give my life to Christ. And the poor person that was there, helper that was there kind of leading me through it because I had no clue of what I was doing at all and she said would you know what it means and I'm like not really I just know that I need to say yes (laughs) she said okay well now you need to go home and you need to tell your family that you've decided to become a Christian I'm like "Uh uh-uh you do not know who my family is there is no way that is going to happen she goes well if you've truly decided to actually you know make a decision to follow Jesus you do need to go home and tell your parents about this. So I thought it actually took a while for me to get to a point of actually saying something to, I thought I'm going to go with mum. Mum was an easier option than dad. So mum and I, like we have, a, we have a really close relationship now in high school, not so much. But I'm a quality time, she's quality time, but she was really flat out and busy and distracted a whole lot of the time. So we had this place where we would have conversations where she couldn't get away. So she'd be in the bathroom and I would sit outside the bathroom and have a conversation with her because she couldn't go anywhere. She couldn't escape anything. So I thought, well, this is perfect. I'll tell her when she's in the bathroom. And then so I told I said, okay, mum, I've got something to tell you. She goes, what, what? So I said, I've decided to become a Christian. And then I ran. I was like, what? Get back here. So I walked back and came back and she said, what have you done? I said, I've decided to become a Christian. She goes, what does that mean? I'm like, I'm not really sure, but I'd like to start going to church. And she goes, oh, okay. I've been thinking about going to church too. Would you, maybe we can go together. I'm like, what? So unbeknownst to me, my mum had been having this own personal journey with God And so within a couple of months of me giving my life to Christ, my mum gave her life to Christ. And then it was kind of in the next year that we both were actually baptised together. Um, And then about five years later, through a a different scenario, my dad gave his life to Christ as well. So now, like, we kind of look like this family that has always grown up in faith and, um, but really it's only been um, since 1993 that that was when I... Yeah, we first, like, so I was that first and it kind of had this trigger effect, at least with my immediate family. Oh, great story. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> In retrospect, do you think that was good advice of the helper to say you need to go and see yes, parents? Yes, yes. I was, I was petrified, though, yeah. because of the knowing what my family and then, you know, then having to make the decision to tell my grandparents as well and what that would be like. And it's funny, I remember my um, my nana saying to me, well, it's fine, Kylie, as long as you're not a missionary and you go overseas anywhere dangerous. I'm like, okay, nana. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. funny. Wow. Oh, that is a great story. Thank you for sharing it with us. <laughs> no so 
a lot has happened in your life, yeah. I'm sure. But I know that right now you're working as the managing director of the Christian Coaching Institute. Yeah. How did you get that job? <laughs> um, randomly. Um, so I guess prior to that, I guess how that kind of began is I was in pastoral ministry at a local church and when I first stepped in as kind of an intern role, I got allocated a coach and my supervisor kind of said, you need a coach. I went, okay. I didn't know any differently. Um, and so I got, and, and it was just amazing. So how she worked with me just worked so incredibly that I went, I'm just going to do this with my team and it worked. I went, this is incredible. Um, and so I went through kind of for eight years under her direct coaching in my leadership role. And then uh, she was actually the one who founded uh, Christian Coaching Institute. So her and her husband and um, my other colleague, John Reekbelt, uh, they were the kind of founding three, uh, which is back 10 years ago. In, in 2010, I went through a a painful transition of finishing at my local church and trying to figure out what on earth is happening, what, what God, what are you doing, where am I, um, just really kind of not lost in my faith but lost in my identity and lost in my calling. And um, my coach, Kim, said to me, hey, Kai, why don't you come along and do this training and coaching? And I'm like, oh, I don't really know whether I want to do this. She's like, well, what else are you going to do? Like yeah, I've got a job. <laughs> she was she was very gracious. There was she didn't say it like that at all, um, but she was right in that sense. So I went along and attended this training, and it got to the end of day two, and I went, oh, this is actually me. It was that whole sense of equipping and empowering people, and so it was that that same time that I came on, I guess, team with Christian Coaching Institute. Back then it was called Novo Coaching, um, but I was. Um, but so I did a little bit of work, kind of project management and a workshop management stuff with them. And then I picked up another role with the Baptist Union of Victoria as overseeing all of the generations in Victoria. Sorry, generations um, youth? Yeah, children's yeah. youth, young yeah. adults. Oh, okay. um, so all of the Baptist churches in yeah. Victoria in that kind of role. And was able to just use what I'd learnt with the leaders that I was working with. Then in 2012, Dave and Kim up and left China on us. And um, so it was me and another guy, John, kind of going, well, what are we going to do with this thing? And, and he said to me, he goes, well, Kylie, I'm too old to do this, so you've got to take this leadership thing. And I went, oh, yeah, I can do this. I mean, back then there was two of us and we ran kind of one big training event a year and a couple of workshops. I'm like, I can do this thing. This is easy. I'm wrong. <laughs> so in some ways, it was this really random job, JR. Yeah. He saw potential. I just thought I was taking an easy gig, but it really wasn't. <laughs> so it wasn't that, yeah, so even that sense of not realising even at the time what I was saying yes to, but then yeah. throughout the process, it's actually been that refining process of God showing me that I do kind of, it's okay to be in this role. It's not that just John didn't want to do it. It was actually I've asked you to do this and I've asked you to be here. So that was a bit of a wrestle in the process as well. When you said at the beginning then that your coach, what she did with mm. you right back at the beginning, mm. you were like, great, I want to do that. 
Can you describe what it is that is done in coaching? Yeah, yeah. Because I work with Christian leaders, primarily anyway, it's that foundation of every believer already has an advisor and the advisor is the Holy Spirit. So not we don't not need to advise everybody and everything, but that sense of we've got enough information in this world and input, but actually how do we help leaders to unpack for themselves what's going on? Most leaders are overwhelmed, overstressed, overworked, and kind of that fuzz in their mind or they've got so many thoughts that are going on in their mind they can't get clarity. So coaching and for me with Kim and what I try and help others with is actually how do you help leaders get clarity? How do you help leaders focus on what's truly important? Um, And that's different for everybody um, in that sense of, you know, for some it's that sense of family is important. You know, obviously the leaders I work with, God is central and important, but there's other areas of workspaces that might be important actually comes to coach coaching the person not just the problem but it's about equipping and empowering them believing that they've got the answers they just need time and space and some understanding and some great questions to figure it out for themselves you go actually i know this majority of leaders are absolutely outstanding incredible They, they do know it they're just so overwhelmed, clouded in their minds and worlds that it's really hard to get to that spot. So hey, giving them that space and time to actually get clarity, move forward and take some action on, on what they want to do. So how is it different or is it exactly the same to uh, mentoring mm. or discipling or things like that? Yeah, that yeah. Similar? They are really similar. So there's kind of all of these different helping disciplines, you know, coaching, counselling, supervision, spiritual director, discipler, coach, they all kind of fit under this banner of the helping discipline. But often what gets mixed up is the two, you know, kind of people like, oh, I know what a counsellor does, or I know what a spiritual director might do. But often coaching and mentoring gets mixed up quite often and they get interchanged a lot, but they are really different disciplines. So mentor is uh, generally someone older, certainly someone with more experience, wisdom and expertise in a particular field and they are imparting information and knowledge that they have to the person on the other side of the table. Their good mentor will ask great questions and be a great listener, but it is more about their mentee Mm. coming to the mentor because of their expertise, because of their experience in a particular field um, in that space. Coachee is about drawing out. So the coach doesn't need to have any experience or expertise in any of the areas that that person's in because the belief is actually that person does have access to the answers or the resources around them. They know their culture best. They know their context. They know their family. They know what's going to work. I often use that analogy, what, someone, what someone's told, they resist what someone figures out for themselves, they own. So how do we actually help people to figure it out for themselves? So coaching is around that sense of pulling out of someone. Mentoring is putting into someone. And discipling, where does that fit? I think mentoring, coaching is a form of discipleship because it actually helps people to grow. Um, But I think that sense of discipleship, it can be much more around, say, word-based or life-based and their growth in God, but you can still use mentoring skills and coaching skills in a discipling relationship. Yes. 
Tell me now, how many people are part of the Christian Coaching Institute? So we have a group of ones that are kind of in our core team and then we have our coaches that are outside of that. So our whole team is 12 people. So some of those will be admin and leadership and operations and strategy. Majority of those are um, our coaches. So actually they're really passionate about actually I just want to be on the other side of the table with a great leader. Um, and some of those are trainers as well. So they might be out, you know, training people to actually do coaching in their context, in their environments. So you are leading the leaders of the leaders. Yes. Of the leaders. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Leading the coaches of the coaches. Yeah, the coaches. yeah, it okay. is. Does it, I mean, how does your head cope with all of that now that it's much bigger than it was? For me, it's been that journey of, it's the doing and the being side for me, but also the character and the competence. I feel like, and there's a whole heap of, I guess, skills and doing and competence that I've been had to figure out and grow really rapidly in. But the deeper work has actually been in that being and the character side of things, particularly around, it was probably about maybe four years ago that I realised a really unhealthy thought pattern or kind of this um, this sound bite that kept playing in my mind and actually it was paralysing me, paralysing how I led. And so I had I was able to track it back to grade six, but it was this thought pattern or this, this phrase was, I'm not good enough. Um, I realised that it's, it's not an uncommon phrase, particularly amongst women leaders, but, but that belief of being in the room and feeling like you're a fraud, feeling like someone's actually going to find out that you're actually not good enough to be here. Or godly enough. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, spiritual enough. Or, yeah, all of that yeah. sort of stuff. And then, so for me, I realised it started in grade six and then I became a Christian and I went, of course I'm not good enough. Only God is good enough. And so it just kind of messed and embedded. And so God I spent years actually rewiring that thought pattern, you know, using the Romans 12 to renewing the pattern of your mind and actually realising, hang on, there is some truth to this, but actually I, I am God's and this is the position he's called me. I've just, I've got to do this because this is who he's called me to be. I can't say I've got it because it sneaks up on me and bites me more often than I'd like to admit, but I recognise it quicker and I don't let it simmer or sit with me as long as I used to because it would paralyse me. It would stop me doing from a whole heap of leadership things. Mm. So I feel like some of that stuff is what has really been, God's been really working on me on. Mm. You've forgotten the question. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Rate what you said. <laughs> oh, I I think you were meant to say that. I have no problem with that at all. You mentioned Romans 12 in the context mm. of your own personal challenges and, and growth. What are some mm. other biblical truths that you find frame what you're doing mm. in Christian coaching? I often actually sit in two different spots. So one is back in Genesis chapter 3. And when, you know, Adam and Eve have done the dodgy, had a bit of an apple and gone into hiding, and God comes in the cool of the evening and he asks this question of humanity and he says, Adam, where are you? I kind of go, pretty sure that the creator of the universe knows exactly where Adam is. And so why does he ask the question? 
he asked the question for Adam's benefit, that sense of, Adam, where are you? And a key element of coaching is actually figuring out where are we? We actually need to kind of own where we sit currently. How are we? Where are we physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally? Um, all of these aspects of us, we actually need to figure out where we are. And then I fast forward a little bit and look into the Gospels where um, Jesus is walking and he walks by the pool of Bethsaida and there's a cripple that's been there for 37 years and he comes to the cripple and he asks, so what do you want me to do for you? And the cripple says, oh, you know what, I need someone to pick me up and pick, put me in the pool. I, you know, I keep missing out. When the waters stir, I can't get in in time. And I just find that fascinating that this cripple has been like this for 37 years and Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? And some of that, we actually need to figure out, what do we want? And these two questions sit as a core framework for coaching in figuring out where you are and what do you want. You're a parent? Yes. How does all your kind of learning about coaching translate yeah, to yeah. being a parent? Oh, yeah. So I've got a 16-year-old son and a 13-year-old girl. Um, so uh, the idea of asking questions, you know, in when you're working with adults and leaders, it's really easy. Like adults are really happy to talk and you ask them a question and they'll give you an answer. You, try, you ask a teenage boy, 16-year-old. I've you know, got one. Yeah, yeah. You do. <laughs> Nothing, good, whatever. Yeah, it's just so hard. But what it has done is when he's been in a place, so last year he was trying to figure out what he's doing for VCE, his last two final years. And so actually that coaching paradigm of figuring out, well, what, where are you? What options do you have? What are the pros and cons for that? And helping him to unpack as much as I would really like to tell him what's a good idea and what's not a good idea. I tried to hold back. Yeah. But realising him wrestling himself with all of the options, the barriers, the decisions that he makes, meant that he had much greater ownership and I've seen him incredibly flourish this year, which is a surprise in some ways, um, and have so much greater ownership. With Lily, my daughter, 13, she will just she'd talk your ear off. Um, so I just need to ask a couple of questions of her. But I feel like the coaching skills help me to not go into that telling mode in that my way is the best. Sometimes it is the best way. But as teenagers, they've got to have a little bit more of that figuring out for themselves and that um, individualism space. No, there's a, there's a balance of boundaries and stuff we need to do. But the skills of coaching helps me to parent in that way that they have greater ownership in the decisions that they're making rather than saying this is what I think you should do and this is how you should do it. So it's actually created that. I'm not allowed to coach my husband though. I'm not a real fan of that. <laughs> Can you blame him? No, I can't. I can't blame him at all. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking, I mean, you've obviously got a, a sort of a window into what it's like for Christian leaders mm. at the moment. I mean, in, in some ways it's quite challenging, like there's a lot going on, a lot of expectations mm. of them that's hard, I'm sure, but at its heart, their job is still the same, yeah. Christian leaders, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they're still teaching and pastoring and praying and building people up mm. for works of service and 
how do you kind of help them in all of that? Well, I think for now the the culture and the context for a Christian leader changes so rapidly that what worked five years ago doesn't work today. And even, I guess, the state of our churches, in, certainly in Australia and a little bit in other Western spaces, seems to be declining, which actually can be a real... It sits really heavily with mm. our Christian leaders and particularly our Christian pastors. Mm. Is That's a heavy burden when suddenly your congregation is reducing year upon year upon year and how do they continue to, to have hope and motivation and joy in amongst all of that? So actually helping them to have a space to process honestly. There's not a lot of spaces that are, if I go to that, Christian leaders, but even Christian pastors, that you kind of go, you know what, it sucks right now. Ah! Mm. There's not a lot of spaces they, they can confidentially go to and kind of share that space, but not just sit in that, but actually figure out what they can do to move forward. Where's the hope in this? Where's the opportunity? In coaching, the glass is always half full. It's always future focused. It's always moving forward. So how do we kind of help build hope and um, opportunity that God is still at work and how do we see him at work in that? Um, so it does. It brings, it brings hope. It brings clarity. It brings a sense of I can control in a good way in that sense of not everything is out of control. Actually, there's some things that they do have ownership and control over that they can make some decisions and forward movement on. Obviously, you're very passionate about coaching leaders and that's very much sort of the space that mm. you're in. But what do you think uh, regular Christians who aren't in leadership um, could learn from coaching or, or sort of, you know, the principles? Like maybe um, someone listening is not, going to go out and seek to get a coach but mm. are there things that they can sort of learn from your experience and wisdom yeah yeah I think I think as I want to say humans but maybe it's just like Australian humans we're really quick to tell people the answer and it comes from our own experience and what worked with us and um we go oh you know, this going, oh, I know exactly what you should do. And even if we don't necessarily do it, we think it and we go, well, this is the path that you should go on. But their path is going to be different. Their context is going to be different. Their family is going to be different. Their family of origin and how they're being brought up is going to be different. So rather than, I guess, automatically going to that telling advice giving spot, actually pausing and going, be quiet and just listen. We live in such a noisy, fast-paced world that one of the greatest gifts that we can offer anybody is someone who is purely present, like present as God is present, and just listens, just doesn't have to say anything and listen. And then to maybe ask some questions that help, that are for the benefit of them not for our curiosity or leading question that leads them to the answer that we think that they should come up with, but actually asking a question to help them to get clarity and ownership and buy-in. So I kind of say just rather than move to the teller advice, and even just in our head, the teller advice, the pause, the listen, and the ask a question for the sake of the other person and their understanding and growth. That's very helpful. Actually, it reminds me of a friend of mine who is helping me with something I'm dealing with at the moment and she just 
constantly offers to pray. Like she'll listen mm. and she'll pray. And mm. she's not giving any advice, but she's just there to help and listen. And, yeah, her questions are really just for for helping. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. A, if you can get someone mm. that's good, they're they such a gift. Mm. They're such a gift to be. And you kind of just want to hang out with them. It's like there are certain people that you go, I just want to be with you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will um, bring our little interview to a close by asking a question that I ask everybody, and that is, um, what's keeping you standing firm at the moment, Kylie, or helping you to grow as a Christian? It can be something small or something, you know, deep spiritual truth or just a little practice that you're learning from at the moment. What's mm. what's helping you at the moment? Yeah. I think it's probably a practice that I put in. Uh, I'm going to give two. Right. <laughs> You're allowed. <laughs> There's plenty. There's your regular reading and praying in the morning. That's that's a given. I think most, I would hope that most um, Christians are doing that spot. This is one that I've been doing for a number of years. So I do have a full life and um, I love people, but I'm actually introverted. And so one of the practices that I've put in in the last couple of years is every two months I have a prayer day and retreat day. I, um, I live close to the beach, so I get my coffee from one of my favourite coffee shops and I'll often sit up in the coffee shop and with my journal and I just, it's like, um, just get it all out with God, just anything and everything, it's all on the paper. Uh, then I'll grab another coffee and just head to the beach and just, for me, it's the smell of the beach and the water that is just, just fuels me and I feel so connected to God at the beach. So I'll head to the beach and then, um, you know, then I might end up with, every day, every time is different, but generally I'll start with coffee and somewhere along the time there's beach. There might be worship time or there might be just nothing time. might be actually sometimes asleep. Because I'm so exhausted, I feel like God graciously just lets me fall asleep wherever I am. It, it could be, um, you know, just at home, lying on the bed, whatever that might be. But it's that it's a just a day to stop, reflect, go back to my core goals, my core priorities. What are the big things? You know that analogy of big rocks, little rocks, pebbles. That so I go back to my big rocks and I go back to my big pebbles. Am I, where I am, am I with all of those? And I'll do that check-in. So that's every two months. That's really hard to do, but that goes in at the start of every year. They're already in my diary. And my, I have both a coach and a mentor. My mentor helps me. She, like, says, okay, when are they? And they're in the diary. So I need high accountability for that because otherwise they move. Yep. Um, and the other thing that I implemented, which has been really great for my mental health, sanity and stopping and my connection connection with God is actually to take, I don't know how I managed this, but I actually take a month off, so four weeks off over December, January. It's the easiest period to do. It's really difficult to do. It takes a lot of preparation and prep work, especially when you're, you know, running a business. Mm. But I actually take that, so the first kind of, it's Christmas, New Year, so that kind of gets a write-off. But actually by the end of it, I feel much more, generally, feel much more refueled, re-energised and centred um, and aligned with key, like it helps me to reprioritize and get away from the shoulds and the coulds and the to-dos and the list and actually just to go, okay, again, it's that most important spot. So, But it takes me a month to be able to do that. <laughs> oh, that's great. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that because we've just had Christmas yeah. and I think there's that lovely feeling of, oh, yeah, when you really do have enough time off, you know it. Mm. And... Yeah, you feel like 
that can keep you going. Yeah. For a little bit longer. Until the day. I like that two-month idea. And, of course, it has to go in the diary because otherwise yeah, it would not it would happen. Yeah, it, nah, it mm. would not happen. No, oh, that's great. I like that one. It is a good one. That's good. Kylie, thank you so much. Pleasure really toy. appreciate everything you've shared with us tonight. And, yeah, thanks. Get that in, bit out there. But I'll cut that in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>